Ever wonder how a Comic-Con comes together? Here are two guys that know because it's what they do every day. It's the Con Men Podcast. Now for another mediocre podcast attempt, it's Greg Adams and Puff. It's the Con Men Podcast. We are uh, starting way late, way late, and in a room that we don't normally use. So I'm gonna have to keep swinging my head back and forth because this the equipment is not conducive for a podcast. Yeah, and it's like there's lights. I don't like the lights. There's brightness. <laughs> I, there, there's a lot of things that are throwing me off about this room, man. All right. Uh, well. We're going to fight through it. It's Greg Adams over here and Puff over there. We are a podcast that is put together by a couple of guys who help put together a podcast. Not podcast. Right? Well, we, we help go. put together a podcast, too. We do. Uh, we help put together a Comic-Con on basically a daily basis, though. Uh, that Comic-Con is Shreveport's Comic-Con, Geeked-Con in Shreveport, Louisiana, coming up this August. Uh, it's going to be year number six, so we've done this a couple of times. Um, six, to be exact. Well, we've done it five times. This is the sixth time we're doing it. Yeah, but I mean, we've already put in a lot of the work. Everything's done except the event at this point. No, that is a lie. <laughs> not everything is done. Barely anything's done. We got a whole lot of stuff to take care of. That's not true either. Oh, it is true. I mean, there's always, we'll be working on the 2020 version of GeekCon through the event. You. <laughs> You have not even begun to scratch the surface on sponsorships and vendors. Just because the guest lineup stuff might be almost done for us this year, it does not mean that we are even close to being done with everything else. We haven't even met with the venue at the venue yet. That'll be a whole nother... uh, We'll do a whole episode on that. I I just love the security discussions. I can't wait till we talk about that where uh, you get to sit down with the police force. That might... Maybe we'll do that next week. Um because it's going to be a few weeks until we have to do that for ours, but I'm sure that uh, my hope is that other people who run conventions start to find us and pick up on us and listen to us regularly, and so they can hear some of the things they go through, hear other people discussing them. Maybe we can help out. Maybe it's just comforting. I know I find comfort in talking to some of the other showrunners that I talk to when I say, you know, we're dealing with this right now, and they go, oh, man, that is my least favorite thing to do. Yeah, this is, uh, we sort of have a uh, group therapy <laughs> with, with, with other con uh, showrunners uh, around the state and area, and uh, yeah, that everybody has the same set of issues. Sometimes it's uh, a little bit more pronounced, depending on the venue and the people you're dealing hey, with. Now, I've talked to some people who don't have any of the problems that we run into. Well, screw those people, <laughs> those lucky sons of guns. So, uh, so basically the idea is that we uh, are here not just for people who run conventions, though, but people who attend conventions. If you're a fan and you've ever wondered, why does my local show do this? Or why does our show in particular, our specific show, if you're a resident of Shreveport listening and you're saying, why do you guys do this? Why do I have to wait out in the heat in August? Well, well actually, we'll answers. We, we, we tried to avoid that which led to a whole new set of circumstances, but we will uh, deal with a lot of that. Um, that goes that, back to dealing with the five O. That's basically the idea of this podcast you have stumbled upon. Uh, so today we're going to talk about a couple of different subjects. One of them has to do with a big movie, and one of them has to do with a uh, friend of our show. Uh, not even friend of... 
Okay, basically, it has to do with another Comic-Con that, that we are friendly with. Okay. Is, does that Can a show be a friend of another show? Sure it can. Okay. I mean, you're only an enemy if you make yourself an enemy. And there are those two. So uh, the show that we're, we're going to jump right into this uh, topic, or our Comic-Con topic for the day, uh, our friends over at the Huntsville Comic and Pop Culture Expo from this point on called Huntsville Expo, or I'll probably just refer to them as Huntsville uh, they're just around 60 days until their event this April, April 18th and 19th at the Von Braun Center in Huntsville, Alabama. It is a show that I suggest if you live in the Arklatex or anywhere in the uh, southern region, this is a show that you should definitely be paying attention to and probably should consider making a trip to. You're actually going to make the trip, right? I am going to make the trip. Uh, Huntsville is... Roughly seven and a half, eight hours away from us here. Yeah. So it's it's the kind of drive you can make in a day. Uh, if I, you know, if you were just going, if you're like a, a casual comic book fan, this is the kind of trip you can make in a day, stay the night, go to a show all day. So literally you could leave Friday. You could drive there Friday, get there, stay the night Friday night, go to the show on Saturday, stay all night, spend the night Saturday night, wake up Sunday, drive home, be ready to work on Monday. Yeah. A one-day vacation for this. If I wasn't working that weekend, I'd totally be there because I love some of the things they got going on. Which is what I wanted to talk about with Huntsville uh, and and play off that a little bit onto some of our experiences. When I look at their guest list, their celebrity guest lineup this year is one of the best I've seen for a show their size, uh, probably since we've been doing this. Yeah, it's a... uh smaller type show but what they've put together for that size of a show is pretty incredible now you it's safe to say smaller type when we're when we're swimming in a an ocean that includes new york comic-con and san diego and wizard world chicago even fan expo dallas that brings well yeah fan expo dallas is like a top 10 in the country yeah but huntsville is they're in our ballpark yeah it's like a small to medium i I mean depending on what uh uh how you grade your comic con sizes. Right, which which is a whole I think that discussion happened in like the second episode. Um but as far as like the state of Alabama goes, I believe they're the largest Comic Con pop culture event in the state of Alabama. Uh so it, it's a good show and their lineup this year is freaking incredible. Their lineup this year could actually you could look at this and and if if Fan Expo Dallas said, Hey, we're doing this this year. Although to be fair, Fan Expo Dallas is gone off the rails this year they they are i think they just opened up their bank account and said uh who's free this weekend and is signing everybody well just this week they announced dave batista uh-huh and alicia silverstone yeah and uh, what was the christina ricci's coming uh yeah and they've uh full house cast reunion yeah fan expo dallas is going crazy this year uh so i, I as much as i would want to say that this lineup could be like a fan expo dallas lineup that's not true anymore that's just hyperbole. Fan Expo Dallas has changed the game. They've flipped the script. They're putting together things that but, are... But this lineup that uh, the Huntsville Expo has could work in pretty much every city in America. I'm, I'm jealous of this. So uh, what I want to do is go over their guest list a little bit and talk about how I see it coming together. I don't know how theirs came together. I haven't talked to the guys over there about, hey, who did you get first? And then what did you see from there? Did you go into it with a plan? Did you target these people or did they come to you? Um, so I'm going to view it just from our booking standpoint, from a showrunner standpoint on the outside looking in. 
to see how this potentially could have come together. Um, let's start at the top as far as I go, and I think you agree with me that on this lineup, uh, number one is Chris Claremont. Absolutely. I mean, one of the most iconic comic book writers of all time. Yeah, you uh, think X-Men, you're probably thinking of a Chris Claremont story. Whether it's the animated series or the movies, Chris Claremont's fingerprints are on pretty much anything successful with the X-Men. I mean, the the X-Men have been around for a long time, but most things people remember from the comic books or TV shows or movies are Chris Claremont stories. Like, he's done other things. He's worked on other books. He's just an incredible, talented uh, writer. But that will probably be his legacy is the X-Men. So for me, I I think he's like the number one on this lineup. And it's great to see a show this size be able to get somebody like Chris Claremont, who is a headline worthy. I mean, we've only been able to pull that off once, I think. And that was George Perez. Yeah. Um, And unfortunately, that year, for as far as George goes, like other years, he would have been a headliner for us. But that happened to be the year that we had Cassandra Peterson, Elvira. So it's really hard to kind of bumped him down a notch or two when he shouldn't have been. But uh, he was so sweet. (laughs) He's a nice guy. Uh, Then on the lineup, you've got Mark Wade. Yeah, uh, I I know is a personal favorite of yours. I I love Mark Wade's uh, storytelling and work he's done. Plus, he happens to be I think he's like an Alabama native or at least from that general region. I believe so. I don't think he lives there anymore, but I could be wrong on that. Uh, But some of his daredevil stuff incredible i I was gonna say i know you're a daredevil guy yeah i mean uh but he also wrote kingdom come uh which was huge for dc uh i I mean mark wade's just been involved in a lot of stuff that is now working its way into movies and tv shows so where he used to be kind of just a comic guy thanks to uh the world we live in now with comic book movies and tv shows and streaming services mark wade's star is rising pretty damn high so you've got those two guys who you you can say, arguably, are at the uh, absolute top of like any lineup. Uh, but then looking at the rest of this lineup, I mean, you've got Marina Sirtis and Gates McFadden, uh, Star, Star, or Star Star Trek. Trek. Yeah, uh, you've got WWE Hall of Famer Scott Hall and soon to be Hall of Famer Kane. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, two. If you're getting wrestling guests. Uh, the mayor of Knoxville and uh, uh, the original bad guy are two definitely <laughs> great choices. Uh, then you've got Jason David Frank yep. from Power, uh, Power Rangers. Rangers. You have Samantha Smith and Kim Rhodes from Supernatural. Uh, Rob Polson and Maurice LaMarche, Pinky and the Brain, All friends Geek of GeekCon. Yep. 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 Uh, Joey Fatone, again, friend of GeekCon. Sean Gunn and Chris Sullivan from the Guardians of the Galaxy films. And Sean Gunn, by the way, has done a ton of other stuff, too. Yeah, uh, he helps his brother a lot on his movies, even if he's not starring in them or whatever. So, Well, I, he's the motion capture for Rocket Raccoon, yep. as well as being Kraglin in the uh, Guardians, in, in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, and he was also in, uh, was it Gilmore Girls? It was one of those, uh, one of those uh, WB shows. Coming of age yeah. CW and shows. And he's also going to, I think, in the new uh, Suicide Squad movie. Uh, well, that would make a lot of sense, too. Yep. Uh, and then Butterbean, which I think is great. Uh, if you don't remember Butterbean, you should just Google like just YouTube. Just Google Butterbean. Because, yeah. uh, he's fun. Uh, there's a whole bunch. Uh, this isn't it. They have a ton on this lineup. Uh, you can find them online. HSVExpo.com is where you can find uh, Huntsville's entire lineup. They've still got some Walking Dead folks that we didn't touch on here. Uh, they've got, oh, uh, Murr. From Impractical Jokers. Yep. I know he's starting to make his uh, way around. 
another friend of GeekCon, Jonathan Lipnicki, is also out there. They've got a bunch of voice actors who uh, are friends of GeekCon who are going to be in there. Again, they've got a very deep lineup. We're just kind of looking at the top. Oh, uh, Noah Hathaway uh, from NeverEnding Story. Uh, also going to be there. God, I love that movie. Uh, so, But this is what I wanted to do after we, we say all these names, is how this comes together. And just from our standpoint of, in the past, what we've seen, uh, to, we may have talked about some of this, so I'll go very briefly on what we do. Uh, at the end of every year, we put out a couple of surveys to ask what people liked about this year, what they want to see in the future, uh, specific guests that they would mm-hmm. like to see us. And we've talked about it. There's no way for a show like us or Huntsville to get Mark Hamill yeah. or to get George Lucas. Probably not without ending the show. Right. I mean, we could we could fe- no, you, you, feasibly... You, you literally couldn't because they will just, they say no. Well, that's true too. Because they, like, Dave Batiste is not coming to Shreveport. Like, there are some of these guests who are not coming to these size shows. It's just impossible. Um, but we do take that information, the good information we get, and we sit back and we try to, we try to look at targets of how we could build something either around a concept or a person. Mm-hmm. So what I see looking at their lineup is what appears to be a a concept approach. Uh, Chris Claremont may have been the target, like a single big headliner that you say, we really want to go get this guy and build around it. Uh, We kind of, or at least I kind of call them like anchors. Like you have a big whiteboard in your office and we always kind of put up like our own little wish list with four or five guys that can anchor the show, and then we build from there. And sometimes those guys are the anchor just on their own, and sometimes they're the anchor of an idea where, hey, we could get him and connect him with a guy like this or a girl like this and connect this, and then all of a sudden we have like a triangle of awesomeness. And we have in the past either looked at brands, Mm -hmm. the idea of like, okay, well, we can't afford afford Mark Hamill. Uh, but we would like to get Star Wars representation. So we look at a brand and we go try to find that brand. Now you could build your entire lineup on that brand, but then you no longer are a Comic-Con or a fan expo. You're now a Star Wars show. Yep. So we always try to hit on a lot of brands or we look at names of particular people. If we say, this is the person we want to go get. Honestly, LeVar Burton, who we had last year, was a name that we had targeted and talked about for a long time. Yeah, it was a couple, three, four years. And said, you know, we want to get this guy. That didn't come out of us saying, well, we need to have Star Trek represented or we need to have Reading Rainbow or Captain Planet represented. We want this individual guy. And we saw the audience and and people filling out surveys saying, go get LeVar Burton. Yeah. So we made it a priority. I don't know if that's where the Chris Claremont piece started here or if it was a happy accident um and i don't even know if they viewed it as that i don't know if they viewed it as hey we go get him and he's the top of the lineup but when i start to look down this and i see kane and scott hall marina Sirtis, gates mcfadden rob paulson maurice lamarche samantha smith kim rhodes sean gunn chris sullivan jason david frank and the guys who played bulk and skull in power rangers Joy Fatone and Murr from Impractical Jokers. What I start to see is I start to see little pods of brands. Yeah, they basically got uh, pairs of people that uh, fill a certain audience need, and that's what they did to 
pair together and put together to anchor down their show. Now, I, and I don't know, we're, we're speaking from the outside looking in, basically assuming this is what happened. From the inside, a lot of times, we've made, this has happened to us accidentally a few times. I, I remember the year that we had uh, Lou Ferrigno <laughs> and Sam J. Jones and Gil Gerard, who all three were nostalgia sci-fi stars from roughly the same era. Yeah. And they all packaged together kind of the same way that we look at this and see like Kane and Scott Hall, Rob Polson, Maurice Lamar, Samantha Smith, Kim Rhodes. Like they just seem like they go together. But we didn't go out of our way to say we want a pod, we want a little collection, we want a trio of 80s sci-fi guys. That just happened. Um, This, I think, though, is potentially maybe a little more deliberate, only in the sense that it happened one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times in the lineup. Yeah. And that's not even including, uh, I think there are some... Dragon Ball Z voice actors who are paired up. There, there seem to be a couple of pairs. And even Chris Claremont, Mark Wade. I know there are other comic book writers, but that's a pretty formidable comic book pairing. I mean, historically speaking, those are two uh, pretty big names to put together there. So it could be that they sat back and said, we're going to pair up. These are the brands that we've identified, which would be pro wrestling, Star Trek, Animation, Supernatural, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Power Rangers. We're gonna we're gonna take those brands and we're gonna pair people together, and we're gonna create a tentpole or a pillar around these particular brands. Could also be a total happy accident that they booked Marina Sirtis, and so a representative from Gates McFadden said. Hey, we see you have Marina Sirtis. Would you like to book Gates McFadden? Well, see, that's uh, how a couple of things have happened to us, where we book, uh, you know, Samantha Smith, and all of a sudden, hey, Kim Rhodes said she'd like to come because there are friends here, and that's a good thing. Supernatural's huge, that sort of thing, where where you start with maybe four people, then all of a sudden other agents or someone you're currently already dealing with, hey, you booked X, Y goes perfectly with that, and then that's kind of how how a show comes together sometimes. That, that's happened to us a, a handful of times. I think uh, uh, Brian Nobbs and Mick Foley come to mind. <laughs> um, yep. There, I know there have been a couple other instances of that. Uh, or somebody who's just a friend sees that, oh, hey, this is happening. Actually, you brought up the Kim Rhodes one. It's funny that Samantha Smith and Kim Rhodes will be at Huntsville. Uh, again, if, if you're already lost on what we're talking about. Huntsville Comic and Pop Culture Expo is happening April 18th and 19th in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, I will be there that weekend because I'm not going to pass up an opportunity to meet uh, Chris Claremont. Yeah, sort of jealous. I got to work that weekend. I'm I'm so there. Uh, but we're talking about the lineup and the construction of it and, and how it comes to be. And with Samantha Smith and Kim Rhodes, back in 2015, our first GeekedCon in Shreveport, we had Samantha Smith and Kim Rhodes both booked. Uh, Kim, One of them got a job, right? Kim Rhodes had something come up like the week before and was unable to make the appearance. And Samantha Smith came out uh, and had a good enough time that last year she said, hey, I would like to go back. Uh, and, and that was pretty quick to have somebody back for a show our size to be, you know, a, a 
guest of that magnitude back within four years of an appearance is is kind of, uh, you know, like the guest has to themselves want that to happen in order for that to happen. Uh, but she came back last year, had another tremendous weekend. I wouldn't be shocked if we see Samantha Smith again in four or five years at GeekCon because she just she has a good time when she's here. That's that's you know we always talk about things that make a show special. If your guests have a good time, not just like guest as in your lineup, but guest as in people that come in, it's better for everybody. Celebrities and ticket buyers, you got to keep everybody happy. Uh, but this lineup, it it seems like they had a plan and they executed it perfectly. And I'm giving them credit for executing the plan perfectly while at the same time fully understanding that this could have been a complete happy accident and they didn't actually go out of their way to do this and it just fell in place and now they look like geniuses. Hey, look, as uh, you and I very well know, happy accidents do happen and we take credit for all of it. Yes, I will take credit (laughs) for a lot of those when they happen to us, but... um, that's just when I look at a lineup, uh, and, and this might come from the radio days of uh, doing music scheduling. For me, I see a lot of uh, the way that we used to choose music when we programmed radio station. Uh, it, I see a lot of similarities in booking a guest lineup versus building a, a music library for a radio station. You have to know what your audience wants. You have to know what your brand is. And then you have to put either music or guests into the system that fit what the plan is. Uh, And so I find myself looking at a lot of other shows, lists, and lineups, and trying to see if I can deconstruct in my mind how they came to this solution, which is also interesting. I would like somebody to look at, like, our poster from last year and see if they could figure out how it happened. Because honestly, if I just looked at that and had no preconceived notion of last year's GeekedCon, I could see, I could sit here and say, oh, I see what they did. They did this, which led to that. And then they got this and they put that together. Uh, That was brilliant that they put that and that. And honestly, none of that is how it happened. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, basically it was complete chaos. It wasn't complete chaos. There was a lot of chaos, but. um, Well, like one person hit us up last minute. It was like, hey, can I come to your show? Yep. Who are you? Oh, you're that guy. Yes. Yes, you can come. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it was just. It was last year was sort of random. It wasn't as organized or like our top, basically LeVar Burton, Michael Rooker and Trish Stratus and even Lori Petty, I think were like, oh, yeah, that would be awesome. We could we could build something around them. Yeah. Last year became a year where we had those names that you talked about where you just put like your if you're going to target a specific person. Last year was one of those years where we've had names that we've talked about a lot. And we said, you know, if we could just get this person it would make for a great show. Instead of doing the whole brand thing or creating pods and building pillars for a tent, we just said, look, get us this person, this person, this person, we'll figure it out after that. And that's kind of how it happened. Although uh, I believe the uh, Dragon Ball Z guys came in first. <laughs> well, yeah, because that was something that we, we... Well, they're friends of ours, like personally. Well, and we, we went out of our way to say uh, we would like to try something this big and expansive because we'd never done anything like a a cast party. Uh, So we had an opportunity to do that and and we took it. We made it happen. Uh, Thinking about this year's lineup without being able to spoil anything, it's kind of a mix between the two. Yeah, We took some names and said, we want this name and this name and this name. And then we looked at some brands and said, well, hey, if we could put two people from this together, 
that's something we want to do. And so we went out and got multiple people from some of these brands. So we actually found a way to... And some of them happened by accident that we didn't realize until after the fact. I can't give the example now, but... Uh, oh, yeah, these two were in a movie together. Yeah, that's that's different, though. The The sudden, like, oh, hey, look, they worked together before. That's different from saying specifically, we want these two to represent this brand because of this, uh, which we did a couple of times this year. Uh, so we're going to have brand representation and individual star representation, which is hopefully going to marry the success that we saw in previous years with the success of last year and make an even more successful 2020. You wanted to talk about something. I did. That is the opposite of a success. It was actually a bomb this past weekend. Well, it depends on what, how you define success. Okay, if uh, su- how do most movies define success? By making money, which okay. it did. It just didn't well, make as much money no, as projected. No, it did not make money. It lost money. It's been three days. All right, so, so we're talking about the Birds of Prey movie, clearly. If you couldn't figure that out already. Uh, like, it was projected to make 50. It ended up making 35. Well, okay, I, what was the cost on it? The cost of producing the movie was like $90 million, and I, that doesn't take into account the marketing so you're, well, there's clearly wasn't a marketing plan, and I gotta they, be I gotta be very honest right now. I know I've seen a lot of people say they didn't see the ads. I saw a ton of the ads. Here's the thing about the ads: they sucked. I don't think people realized what they were, because all of the ads that I saw for the Birds of Prey movie were all of the secondary and tertiary characters. They were huntress. Nothing, yeah, they were uh, all of these characters that were not Harley Quinn, and. If you're going to invest in Margot Robbie and you're going to invest in Harley Quinn and you're going to invest in a movie of this magnitude and put expectations on it, you need to use what you have in order to get people out to that movie. Well, and here's the thing. After watching it, let me tell you, it's a great movie. First off, we'll get into that a little bit. But as far as marketing the movie and what the movie is, it is a Harley Quinn movie. It's not a Birds of Prey movie. There's secondary characters, and they all kind of come together for a common goal. I'm trying to give a spoiler-free review, but it is not a Birds of Prey movie. It is a Harley Quinn movie. And they made a huge mistake with that. So if you want to talk about a mistake in marketing, because I saw the ads. I saw a ton of them, whether it was social media or whether it was uh, YouTube ads. I got served a bunch of those. Mm -hmm. So they found the target. They had the right target. I only paid attention to them, though, because I honestly thought the first couple of times I saw it that it was for one of the CW shows. I thought it was for, like, the Arrowverse. And I found myself confused because I specifically remember the Huntress one and saying to myself, wait a second, how are they going to put the Huntress in the CW Arrowverse, if she's going to be in the movie at the same time, only to find out that what I thought was the CW one is actually the movie one. Yeah. I, so I, their marketing was, it was there, it existed, they put a, they put money into it to reach people. They found the people. right people, but they didn't show them the right, right movie. Yes. Because the movie I saw yesterday was not the movie they advertised. The movie I saw yesterday was great. It was funny. It was there was uh, an emotional roller coaster. Uh, uh, Ewan McGregor as Black Mask was fantastic. Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn was fantastic. Like the entire cast was perfectly done. The movie was well made. It was entertaining. It might be one of the best done all around comic movies made to this point. And nobody saw it because they dropped the ball. 
Well, they've they've gone back now and they've renamed the movie Harley Quinn Birds of Prey. And the other thing, too, on top of the bad marketing, they released it on historically one of the worst weekends to release a movie. Now, to me, I'm not a huge like, oh, you put it on the wrong weekend, because I got to be honest, if they would have released Star Wars Rise of Skywalker last weekend, guess what? It would have made a billion dollars still. Yeah, but I mean, even like if you go back, because all this stuff's available online now. Even like the quote unquote huge blockbuster movies that they put on that weekend perform less than expected. It's just one of those weekends for whatever reason, people don't go to the movies. Well, I I think that's a a causation correlation where I think a lot of the movie studios are throwing the leftovers there. But I mean, they they should. I I don't care when the movie's released. I, I, to me, that's out because there are so many theaters now. There's like 5,000 theaters across the country that these movies are released in. Uh, so it's not like back in the day where there were 500 movie theaters and you had to commit like an entire Friday night to go see a movie. I mean, you even were talking about the fact that it's a 90 minute movie. You could honestly leave for lunch, drive a few minutes away, take an extended lunch, watch yeah. the movie and come back to work in I mean, a day. That's what I did yesterday. Don't tell management. But I, I, it was just a great movie and it just pissed me off to no end after seeing the movie. Like, this shouldn't be the lowest grossing DC movie since Jonah Hex. You know, like. Which actually, that, I'm glad they brought that up because it made me remember Jonah Hex. Which was, I don't want to say trash, but it wasn't great. How many times has Josh Brolin played a comic book character in a major motion picture now? Three, four? Three. I totally forgot Jonah Hex existed. Yeah. But then he went on from Jonah Hex to become Cable and Thanos. The guy might have. One of the most decorated comic book movie resumes of all time. Yeah, but it's just after seeing the movie, like I think who Ryan Reynolds is probably the only other one, right? Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, Green Lantern, Deadpool, and uh, X Men, uh, and Blade. So that's four different. Biz- Wait, what was the other one in X Men? Uh, the uh, where he played dead. It was Deadpool. Well, it was still it, Deadpool, but it wasn't I the mean, right was, Deadpool. No, it was a different Deadpool. But still, I mean, technically, he's been three heroes well not even yeah i mean ryan reynolds and josh brolin are probably the most decorated yeah but i don't know i just as good as this movie is as good as well done as it was i just i i just don't want it to fail to the point where warner brothers goes yeah we're gonna be if they're letting matt reeves make the batman movie it sounds like he's making I don't want them to do what they did after Suicide Squad, which is, well, this one tanked. It got terrible reviews. Let's change the rest of our movies and screw it up. Because this is exactly, it's all, it's got humor. It's got darkness. You'll laugh. You'll cry. I, I just don't want them to go in and screw everything else up. So we had somebody on the GeekCon Facebook page actually articulate what I was already formulating in my head um, about the overall DC universe the DC entertainment universe, I think is what we're calling it. They, they can't even get the, they can't even get a clever MCU type thing going where we can all refer to it as the MCU. They can't even figure that part out. But what was articulated is the fact that we have such a disjointed, broken DC movie universe that the reason the MCU works is the same reason that the X-Files worked in the 90s. It's why pro wrestling worked really well in the late 90s and early 2000s. When things become interconnected, 
And when things become, uh, I don't want to say mysterious, but when, when it gives the audience the opportunity to predict things, and it gives the audience, uh, Star Wars is great at it too. Like, what are the reveals going to be about somebody's lineage? Who You started off with, you know, the whole Luke and Darth Vader thing, and so that put everything on the table from this point on through the whole series that we don't necessarily know how this is going to play out because it could be this, this, or this, and we spend a whole bunch of time fantasy booking what could happen. Look at how great Avengers Endgame was. Was Avengers Endgame great because they made a great epic movie, or was it because we all followed the same breadcrumbs all the way to coming to all these conclusions and we all had to go see instantly to know if we got it right or not? That's why that was so good. And now the DC universe, you look at it and you go, well, Joker's one of the best movies, best comic book movies that ever has ever been made. Joaquin Phoenix just won a Best Actor Award for playing the freaking Joker. However, it's completely disconnected from all of our other movies. And by the way, we've had six Batman now. And those ones don't even count because we've also had like three Supermen. And those aren't the same. Those don't count. Uh, and then we're going to redo Batman again. And we're going to do our fifth installment of a Penguin character. And none of this counts towards Justice League, which is all broken now. Well, except for Wonder Woman, she still counts. And Aquaman might still be involved. But everyone else, forget they existed. By the way, we have a really successful Flash on TV, but it's not the same Flash as in the movie. It's too confusing. I just enjoy the frickin' movies, you nerds. But, mm. see, that's your problem. That's, that's where, no. That, we, we, if you just want, just enjoy the movie... Then go make a singular standalone. But I will say, don't call it a comic book movie. Harley Quinn, and I will call it Harley Quinn because it's not a Birds of Prey movie, is connected to stuff that happened to in Suicide Squad and Batman versus Superman. It's the same universe, it's all there. Warner Brothers, and I blame this 100% on Warner Brothers, does a terrible job marketing their movies. And if they get like a few hundred negative comments from somewhere, they completely scrap every plan they ever have. Warner, you know what Marvel does when they have like Iron Man two, terrible movie, yeah, terrible Factually movie, actually accurate. But you know what? Despite when they got negative reviews, they didn't change Iron Man. They just kind of went, all right, we need to fix this. Warner Brothers, when they get terrible reviews, well, uh, people didn't like this. We got to change everything. Well, and th th that's what drives me nuts. The difference there is that Marvel was establishing success where DC and Warner brothers haven't really been able to establish a linear success. Because yet. They keep shooting themselves in the foot, which, and this is a part of it too. The fact that, okay, we've now connected Harley Quinn to suicide squad and to uh, Batman versus Superman, which then the justice league, but our Batman is different. Now the Joker is going to be different now. I, All of the things that I, we've connected to. I don't think the Joker is going to be different because, spoiler alert, he's in the movie, sort of. But it's it, it's it's definitely not the Joaquin Phoenix Joker. It, See, and this is it, it, just confusing. I don't know why they made the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. I mean, I know why. It's a good movie, but it it's... It's like... Well, they slapped on... So, okay, if we want to side note this, I, this has been actually chapping my... For a little while. So when they make this movie, 
initially the Joker movie now, not the Harley Quinn movie, the Joker movie, when they make the movie, the director and Joaquin Phoenix and everyone involved wants to step back and say, this really isn't a comic book movie. This isn't a comic book movie at all. We're just going to paint the face of this guy. So it's going to be the comic book movie. And, you know, DC's invested in everything. They basically found a way for DC to pay for his fan fiction that he had already written. Then when they started to get a bunch of complaints and worries that this could be a incel-based, misogynistic, fluff-piece movie, they suddenly pulled out, whoa, 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 this, this Joker character's been around for like 75 years. He's an established character. This is just a comic book movie. Don't get upset. And then the movie gets released, and it's successful. And then they went right back to, well, this isn't a comic book movie. We're above a comic book movie. It's not the comic book Joker. We just used DC's money and gave them, you know, the logo on the tile uh, but this is not a comic book movie. And we are definitely not going to be a part of a Batman movie. And we're not going to do a Batman universe. What the hell is going on with DC? They, they, I, Warner Brothers, God love them, have been bad at this. There's a reason Warner Brothers went from being one of the top studios to not. Maybe, and it's bad decision making like this. If you're, if you're trying to build something, why would you do something outside of it? A. And B. Even if it's a great movie and a great idea, why would you let these people out there who took your money and your characters go out there and run down your own product? What's maybe most infuriating is the already mentioned Arrowverse, the TV version of this, is extremely well done. Well, DCU, you know I love the app. Titans, fantastic. The Harley Quinn cartoon is incredible. Like all their uh, Doom Patrol freaking awesome i wish they did more because it's so good the harley quinn movie fantastic uh, the the uh, a lot of their movies aquaman not bad i mean well wonder woman is their success wonder right now woman fantastic and the fact that you've taken wonder woman and it's been how long now since the first one three years four years it's this is and i'm, I'm getting here with marvel too they're putting far too much time in between these movie releases because you need to strike with the iron's hot. We're a we're a a bite-sized, fun-sized, sample size, highlight package society now. Our attention spans are shortening by the day. You can't take four years off between Wonder Woman. Well, here's the problem with these movies. Where Robert Downey Jr. was completely 100 percent committed to being Tony Stark, right? Gal Gadot or Gadot, however you want to pronounce her last name, isn't. I mean, she loves Wonder Woman but she wants to go do eight other projects and a TV show and have some time off. But these, but these companies have and, and, more money than anybody. And they let them do it. Yeah. Like, I mean, if I have this big franchise, I'm not letting my star take a five-year break. I mean, God love them. Ben Affleck was 100% committed to being the Batman, to being Bruce Wayne, and they wouldn't let him go. What the hell? I, I just, I don't understand what, what these people are doing. I wish DC would find a way to replicate the TV success in the movie. They should take the people who are in charge of the, the Arrowverse on TV. They should take all those people who have developed that and say, now take all of this and do it in a movie. Take one season of TV and purify it into a 90-minute movie. And you know what? You can interconnect all of this stuff, too. You can have your Crisis on Infinite Earths, but we're going to do it in a three-movie deal. Go get all the people you want. Just take the guys off the TV. Take the guys that were already established. 
You're Stephen Amell as Green Arrow. Uh, kid, I can't remember his name as The Flash. Go get all those guys you've already established. Matt Reeves as Constantine. Put them in the movie. Create a three-movie trilogy that leads to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Do one movie of setup. One movie of... Do it in a three-act, like the same way that you would do a big movie, but split it out so it's basically nine TV shows. One season over three movies. They could absolutely do it. That's well, what they should be doing. I, I, I don't want them to ruin the movies because I like the movies. Just get your act together and quit... Pro a, promote them properly for once, and B, quit shooting yourself in the foot. You idiots. If you need someone to help run your freaking studio... Hire me. I will help you. I will enjoy doing it. I won't be ashamed of your product. This is uh, normally the part. I can't believe how late we already are. Actually, we just we probably spent way too much time yelling about DC uh, for there's a company. No, there's never too much time yelling about that. Those people need to be yelled at because they make movies and then they ruin them themselves. All right. So before Puff has an aneurysm, we're going to wrap it up. We usually would do a point where we uh, do like a fun question about geek cons in the past. We're just going to skip that for the sake of time this week. Uh, so we're going to hit. Oh, you know what we didn't even talk about was our guest announcement this week. We have two of them, right? No, we just have the one. Yeah. Oh. Uh-oh. What did you do? I, I thought, well, I can't really say what, what, what I thought I did. Because, because All right. Well, we're going to clean up that mess. You can go ahead and check out the guest announcements, possibly more than one, online at geekcon.com uh, and on all, our, all of our social media channels. Uh, and don't forget to uh, subscribe and rate us wherever you're downloading your podcasts.